You don't know flag. You Don't Know Flat, a podcast full of stories about retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. Episode 194, Crossroads Mall. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of You Don't Know Flat. Today is November 28th, 2020, and I'm your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. On today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, we will be talking about Crossroads Mall. As always, I have stored my notes for this week's podcast on my handy-dandy Commodore 64, and unfortunately, the 1541 disk drive is not the fastest storage solution in the world, so as I load those notes back up, that'll give us a few minutes to chat on this week's Loading Time. Loading Time. Loading Time. Loading time. Welcome back to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Here in America, we just celebrated Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the last Thursday of November every year. When I was a child, we learned all the the watered-down version of Thanksgiving about how the pilgrims came over and they met with the Native Americans and they shared this meal. And of course, now we know that that's not exactly how things happen. But Thanksgiving is a time where families get together and share a large meal and think about all the things they're thankful for. And of course, um, there are a lot of things this year not to be thankful for. I'm not thankful for coronavirus. I'm not thankful for all the changes that we've made in our lifestyle over the past, gosh, I used to say three or four months and now it's, it's crept up. Now it's eight months, you know? Um, but there are a lot of things that I am thankful for. Of course, we had to modify our family Thanksgiving. We used to have, um, oh, anywhere from 20 to 30 people over each year. And this year we only had one person over. My dad came over and we set up our little, um, we set up a socially distanced dining experience out in my workshop, which is basically a three car garage. We have a, a six foot table and my dad sat at one end and I sat at the other and, my wife and kids sat inside the house, and uh, so we did Thanksgiving that way. My dad and I got to eat a meal together, so he wasn't by himself this year. And um, uh, we had the, the door, <laughs> the big garage door propped open, so it was a little chilly this year, but the wind was uh, circulating. And, um, you know, normally we would have, uh, like I said, uh, our families, our collective extended families over for Thanksgiving. In fact, um, I have a standing offer in years past. I've posted this on social media that, uh, our house is an open house for Thanksgiving. So if people, you know, friends of mine that are on my, my friends list on Facebook, or I guess even Twitter, uh, mostly I do it through Facebook, but I always say, if you don't have anybody to share Thanksgiving with or anywhere to go, uh, uh, to eat or anything like that, then come to our house. And we have, uh, had a few times people take me up on the deal, and it's always uh, uh, a very exciting thing. My wife hates it. Um, not she doesn't hate uh, the the idea of it. Uh, as the person who basically prepares the food and needs to know how many people are coming, she doesn't like the uh, ambiguity of 
you know, she's worried that someday a hundred people will show up or something like that. But, uh, uh, we did not extend that offer this year, unfortunately. Um, so we, we reached out to people in other ways, but it was definitely a, uh, a unique, uh, Thanksgiving and it did give us some time, you know, to think about all the things that we really are thankful for. And of course we have so much in our uh, personal life, we still have our jobs and we have our health and all of our, our family has remained healthy during this time. So I have so much to be thankful for. But, um, one thing that I do like to uh, always say is that I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that, uh, uh, you take time out of your week to listen to me ramble about whatever I'm <laughs> talking about. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that, uh, I get to have this experience and share this experience. I get to share my memories and my stories with people who, uh, want to hear them. You know, it's no fun uh, telling my stories, you know, when the kids are sitting around and I go, you know, one time and they go, Oh, they put in their earbuds, <laughs> leave the room or something like that. So, uh, I am thankful that, uh, I've brought the podcast back this year and I'm thankful for, um, uh, you for subscribing and, and listening and and uh, your feedback and just having you as part of the extended podcast family. So from me to you, I would like to say thank you for listening to the shows and for uh, hanging out. I appreciate it. Uh, I normally, if there's a big event going on, I, I usually like to talk about that topic on my podcast. And of course, it's, it feels... Uh, uh, like this should be the Thanksgiving episode, but unfortunately I have a really bad, uh, long-term memory there. And I also have a bad short-term memory. So between the two, <laughs> you know, I, I normally do have a good long-term memory. I have a good long, long-term memory. I can remember stories and things that happened to me in third grade, but, uh, there are some things that I just don't commit to memory. And one of those things is the topics that I talk about on podcasts. So I look through, the old list and there on episode 180 is the Thanksgiving episode where I told all my favorite Thanksgiving stories about Thanksgiving pasts and, and uh, shared a bunch of stories. So if you are feeling a little nostalgia about Thanksgiving this year, you might want to go back and listen to episode 180, which was the Thanksgiving episode of you don't know flack. Of course you can find that on iTunes or you can find it on podcast.robohara.com. In fact, you don't need to subscribe if you want to listen to it there. You could go right there and either download it or stream it right from the page. I do need to plug Twitch, my new Twitch stream, twitch.tv forward slash Rob O'Hara. That's probably not the name I would have picked, but I uh, someone else had Commodore. That's always a bummer when I go to sign up for something and there's already a Commodore. <laughs> I'm like, Hey man, that's me. That's my book. And there's also, uh, somebody had already signed up as flack. So, but usually I can get Rob O'Hara. And so that's what I signed up for way back when I signed up on Twitch. And now, uh, my videos, my Sprite castle plays videos, instead of recording those, uh, you know, by myself here in my room and uploading those to YouTube, I've just been doing them through Twitch and man, has it been fun. There's been a lot of people that have signed up to Twitch. If you're not on Twitch, of course, it's totally free, and you don't have to sign up to watch the streams, but if you do sign up and get an account and, and follow me, then when I start streaming and go live, uh, you'll be notified. You'll get a little notification either through email, or I have it set up where it goes to the Twitch app on my phone. So when the people that I follow start streaming, I just go into the computer and open up Twitch and sit here and watch and see what's going on. So I have did multiple 
Twitch streams over the past couple of weeks. Um, the most recent one I did, I played 10 Yard Fight, which is a arcade football game. And I played that the night of Thanksgiving after watching two different rounds of it. That's a tradition here in the U.S. is, is watching football, American football, on Thanksgiving. So everyone has a big uh, turkey dinner or turkey lunch. And you eat all the stuff, and then you put on a football game, and then you fall asleep, which is exactly what I did. Uh, so after the second game was over, I played some 10-yard fight, and then kind of, uh, I think some people actually enjoyed this, but I diverged. I began talking about Billy Mitchell, who has been trying to get a perfect game of Pac-Man and prove that he is still the best uh, Pac-Man player, I guess, is what he's proving, and that he's still got it and good for him. But I talked a little bit about uh, the Kong Off 3, which was the Donkey Kong giant tournament that was in Denver, Colorado. And uh, on that stream, I shared pictures of when I went to the Kong Off 3, and I got to meet Billy Mitchell and Walter Day and a, a lot of the the Steve Wiebe and, and Hank Chin and all the uh, the big, at that time, Donkey Kong, the best Donkey Kong players in the world. It was really fun. And I also shared pictures of when I went to Ricky's restaurant, which Ricky's, if you watched The King of Kong, you may know that that is the restaurant that Billy Mitchell is associated with, and it is in Hollywood, Florida. And on a road trip, my family and I stopped at Ricky's restaurant. I bought some Ricky's hot sauce, and if you watch that stream, you will find out if I met Billy Mitchell or not at the restaurant and how that went. So there are three other streams that I did over the week. One was, uh, it says Commodore plays uh, Uridium, Jungle Hunt, Smurf Olympics, and more. I had a single floppy disk from my old Commodore 64 days that had all those games and more on them. So I just went through the whole disk and played all the games that were on that disk. Rock and Bolt was a surprise. I don't remember spending a lot of time on Rock and Bolt, and that was a lot of fun. So I did that and played all these other games. There's one up for Mario Brothers, which I played the arcade version of Mario Brothers, and then I played the Commodore 64 version as a comparison to see what it looked like and even diverged into the old DOS. There's a DOS VGA port of Mario Brothers, and so I played that as well through uh, ExoDOS, which is actually something I should talk about on the podcast. At some point, I might do a, a dedicated episode to ExoDOS. But ExoDOS is a front-end to DOSBox that basically has the configuration and batch files ready to launch 7,200 different DOS games. And you can download the entire package with all of those games built into the package. The downside of that is that it's a 550 gigabyte. And that is a heck of a download. For my family, that is one half, over one half of my monthly data cap. So I was not able to download that size. But there's a smaller package that's somewhere between 30 and 40 gig that is just all the front end and metadata and pictures and, and all that stuff. And then you can download the games on demand one at a time. And so that's what I did. And uh, that's how I got that old Mario Brothers game. And, and they've configured them all to where you just double click on it and it launches right in a, a browser or, or not a browser, but a, a window. And you can configure if you want that full screen or windowed. And there's all kinds of different settings. But uh, uh, so I show off Exodus a little bit in that video when I played Mario Brothers. And finally, last week on Sprite Castle, I covered Jeopardy as a tribute to the passing of Alex Trebek. And so I played two rounds 
of Jeopardy on the Commodore 64. Spoiler, each round of Jeopardy takes almost an hour. So that's a pretty long stream, especially if you're watching someone play a very slow trivia game on the Commodore 64. Uh, all of those can be found on YouTube under the Amigos Retro Gaming label or channel, I should say. And then there's a playlist called Sprite Castle Plays. Or you can just go to YouTube and search for Sprite Castle Plays. And of course, I will add links to all of those on the show notes, which are always posted at podcast.robohara.com. I got an update on the C64. This is the uh, full-size version of the C64 Mini that shipped a couple of years ago. This has been available for UK buyers for quite some time, but was supposed to launch in November for US residents. The pre-sale went, uh, I think that went live on August 27th. And that was the day that I did the pre-order on Amazon. I have been notified multiple times that the shipment has been delayed. And every time that Amazon delays the shipment, you have to go in and click a button that says, do you still want this product? And the first couple of times I said, yes, I still want this product. Uh, it got delayed on November 5th and it said uh, delayed for two weeks or something like that. Maybe it was a, a month, but I said, sure, I still want it. Then I got another one that said it's been delayed indefinitely. Do I still want it? And uh, I think I said yes at one point. And then I got another thing that said it has been delayed uh, to the end of December, and I haven't clicked that one. I wasn't going to click it. And I'll tell you the reason why. It's not because I don't want to own a full-size D64. I think it's a cool idea for a product. The problem is, is that I have better solutions now at this point, and I won't just say uh, alternate solutions. I will say better solutions. Uh, I've, I've assembled my Ultimate 64. My keyboard that I'm using is still a little wonky, but uh, I have a friend uh, sending me a replacement keyboard, so that'll be fixed pretty soon. But, um, you know, the Ultimate 64 is, if you're not going to run on original hardware, it's the next best thing. It is an FPGA solution. And some people would say it's better than the real thing. You know, the, the, uh, all the different options that you get and the ability to, you know, having an ethernet port and having four USB ports and being able to load directly from uh, USB, you know, disc images and things like that. It's in a, in a lot of ways, it's more convenient than the original, you know, um, listener Dave Zilly way back when turned me on to BMC 64, which is a bare metal build of the, of, uh, the C64 emulator vice that runs directly on top of a Raspberry Pi without the need for an operating system. And it's really, really good. So I have all these things that in reality are probably more authentic to the C64. Now, the, the bare metal C64 version that I'm running is obviously running in a Raspberry Pi and with a USB keyboard hooked up so it doesn't look like the real thing. And my ultimate... C64 that I built is in a clear case, a C64C clear case. And so it doesn't look like the old bread bin that I grew up with. So I was really looking forward to getting the C64, the full size one. But I'm kind of at the point where I'm not even sure that I would use it, you know. And so the last time they asked me, are you sure you want to extend this product? I didn't click it. I didn't click no, but I also didn't click yes. And my understanding was if that ran past the 30-day period, that my order would be canceled. So I guess mentally, 
I agreed to give them one more 30-day stay. And I was just notified yesterday that my item has shipped. So it looks like my V664 is on the way. I hate, hate, hate that name, the C64. I get it. I'm sure there's a trademark. Uh, you can't say it's Commodore. You can't call it a new C64. So I get it. But man, is that a tongue twister to say if you're a podcaster. So according to Amazon, my the C64 is on the way. Now, there, the real question remains, what am I going to do with it? Am I going to open it? Uh, I will definitely open it. Um, I won't put it on a shelf unopened, but I think eventually that's where that box is destined to go. I think it'll be put up on a shelf and maybe the the actual device will end up on a shelf too. I don't really know. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if that works its way into the rotation. You know, all of us who play around with vintage hardware, there's only so much space, you know, there's only so much room and uh, you have to really kind of decide what you're going to dedicate your room to, you know, in this room right now, I have an original 486 PC. I have an Apple II. Um, it's an Apple IIe. I have my old Mist, which I really want to upgrade and get a Mister. And then I have the BMC C64. I have a Amiga CD32 hooked up right now. And then, of course, my Ultimate 64, and not to mention my work computer and my main workstation. So I'm kind of tapped out on space. And to add a new device, I'm really going to have to remove something. Of course, it would theoretically take the place of the BMC 64, but I don't know that it's a better player. I don't know that it's a better way to play games. So I don't know. We'll have to see. It's going to have to... It's kind of like a battle royale. It's going to have to fight for a spot, and we'll see if it ends up with a permanent spot here in the home office. The last thing on my list here is that it is Christmas season, I guess. You know, the day after Thanksgiving. You know, when I was a kid, we would watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, which I watch every year. I watch this year. My kids don't wake up in time for the parade, so I watch the parade by myself which is what I did this year. Uh, but to me, you watch the parade, and then at the end of the parade, Santa would come down, and that would be the beginning of the Christmas season. We got a little bit of a jump start this year. Um, my wife and my daughter are both big into Christmas decorations, and they have already started pulling things out of the attic. And you know what? I'm giving everybody a pass. 2020 has been such a, cr a crazy year, that if people want to decorate early for Christmas and get stuff out, I'm okay with it. Sometimes I complain about it. I'm not going to complain about it this year. Uh, if you want to put your, your Christmas stuff up, if you want to leave it up all year, I'm okay with it. I'm, <laughs> there's so many other things to complain about this year that I'm, I'm going to let that one go. Uh, my family has started asking me for uh, what do I want for Christmas. They want my list. But the reality is that we've been at home so much that I've just been ordering stuff off Amazon like crazy. So unfortunately I have really bought most of the stuff that I, that I wanted this year, you know? So I'm, I'm uh, really having to struggle to come up with things that I, I didn't already buy for myself out of uh, uh, boredom. My wife and I went this morning and we saw a news article that a local town had erected a 50 foot, inflatable well i guess the the lamp itself is only 40 foot it's on top of a 10 foot box but they have put up 
a tribute to the leg lamp in a Christmas story. And so I told my wife, I really want to go see this thing. It's in a town. It's in Chickasha, Oklahoma. It's about 45 minutes south of me. And I really wanted to go see this. And so we drove down there this morning and they were literally setting it up. Uh, the box had already been put in place and there was a box truck in front of it that was unloading a deflated leg lamp. And we stood on a sidewalk in probably 40 degree temperatures for over an hour and watched as they inflated this 40 foot tall leg lamp. Uh, there were guys involved with with ropes, and at one point there was a forklift involved and step ladders to try to get the lamp uh, to stand all the way up, and then there were ropes to make sure it didn't blow around. and And uh, during the time we were there, several of the workers came over to talk to us. I think they were curious as to why somebody would be standing out in the cold and, and taking pictures and videotaping, uh, videotaping with a phone, uh, such a epic event, but. My, I mean, that's history, <laughs> a leg lamp in your own state. Uh, and, and when it was finally all the way up, I mean, it was majestic. It was fantastic. We applauded and cheered and they all clapped their hands. I mean, it was definitely an achievement. It was something else. And we talked to the guys, I guess they are doing a revitalization of their downtown area of Chickasha. And they thought this would be uh, this is the anchor piece. This is what's going to bring people into Chickasha is a 50-foot-tall leg lamp a tribute to a Christmas story. Apparently, the guy who, not uh, not associated with the movie, but the guy who invented the very first leg lamp uh, passed away. And in his obituary, it said he was the inventor of the leg lamp, and he was from Chickasha, Oklahoma. And so this is uh, a tribute to that man's addition to nostalgic pop culture. So it was, uh, it was, I guess if, if anything's going to kick off the Christmas season, that's it. A 50 foot leg lamp. So I'll probably be writing a, a longer piece about that, that you'll find over on my blog at robohair.com with lots of pictures and stuff. But it was, uh, it was quite the event. I will just say that. And finally, I would say that, um, we had, I mean, if, if this, if nothing else, tells you that it's the beginning of the Christmas season. We had our first visit from carolers. Uh, I came last night and I was uh, sitting here in my office, finishing the notes for the show. And uh, there's a knock at the door and I got up. Of course, then my phone goes off because the ring doorbell <laughs> goes off on my phone. And I, I went and opened the front door and there were carolers. And as my eyes scanned, I noticed there were some people there that I recognized. I saw Alan Hudgens and Aunt Paige and Armadon Restall all standing right there in the front row. And there was Carrie Clanton and Chris Folds. And Darren Folds was there with a little tiny scarf over his long beard to keep everything warm. I saw Dave Zilli and David Hearn and Eric Stranisi. Garrett Allier was standing there holding a little mug of hot chocolate. I saw Gary Heather and... Graham Vobke, Jake Nonamaker, and John Morrison. They were all standing in the back. Those are all the taller guys, so they could see down over everyone else. John Schaller was there, and Mark Alley, and Matt Nicholson. I mean, the caroling just went on and on. It was a lot of people standing in front of my house. Mike McLaughlin was there, Mitsuyama. 
Mr. Jason Bundy was there. Olaf Hope. Patrick Markey was there. And Paul Davies. Rick Reynolds. Scott Lambert was there. He was holding a little book of carols for everybody to, to read the lyrics out of, to sing. There was Stephen Burt and Steve Rasmussen. Steve Sharippa. Uh, in the front, there was Rydar Bo and his son Christopher. His little son. Real cute. Standing right down front so I could see. And there was uh, Rob Sherman was standing there. And then, of course, standing over to the side. Uh, all covered up so I couldn't quite see his face. But holding the candle so that everyone could see was the mysterious Cobra Kai. And it was just a great uh, experience having carolers show up at your house like that. Of course, that didn't happen. Uh, it's been a long time, actually, since we've had carolers. I don't think people... If you want to see carolers, I think you just look it up on YouTube or you imagine it like I do. But those were not carolers that came to my house. Of course, those were my Patreon supporters, the people that have signed up on Patreon and are supporting this show. And thank you to you guys. I understand you can, you know, due to um, uh, COVID preventions, you couldn't all get together and, and carol my house. That's fine. That's fine. I'll, I'll give it a pass this year. Maybe you'll all show up next year. But um, uh, if you want to find out, how to support the show, different uh, support tiers. I just did a long post about the making of this episode and all the work that went into this specific episode. Go over to patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hare. You could sign up. The The lowest tier is $4 a month, which is basically a dollar an episode each month. Actually, it's going to be less than a dollar if I can get this other project started I'm working on. So, uh, But patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. And if you don't, want to sign up on Patreon, but you do want to support the show, don't forget, uh, you can share links to the show on social media. That helps me a lot. Uh, and you can also like and review the show on iTunes. Now, I went to iTunes. You know, everybody says that. Uh, oh, go, uh, you know, check iTunes and this and that. So I did. I went to go check my iTunes. I have 35 reviews. I have a five-star rating. That's the best rating because this show is awesome. That's not why. It's because you guys are awesome. The people that leave the reviews are awesome. But when I look, there's only one review from 2020. Just one. And it's from a listener named Mattel Man. It's M-A-T-A-L Man. I thought it was Metal Man, which made me think like it's a heavy metal guy, but it's Mattel Man. So I'm not sure where that comes from. But I'm going to read his review on the air right here. It says, and this was from September 2020. It says, Rob knows more about retro computers than I've forgotten. You Don't Know Flack is the best retro-oriented podcast available on the internet today. Very disappointed when he took a break, but very happy now to have him back. He lives retro every day and has an amazing ability to recall the tiny details that most of us have completely forgotten about. Well, that is true. My memory works in funny ways. People tell me, I think... Um, uh, I was just watching the uh, uh, Amigos, uh, or not the Amigos specifically. It was uh, uh, Arg, those guys. It's Brent and um, Aaron show, and they just did a Thanksgiving marathon, which was uh, super fun. It was an eight-hour stream, and I believe it was Aaron who said that uh, he described my brain as a, a jukebox of stories, and that is true. Like I have stories ready to go at any given time, uh, so I, I've forgot. I couldn't tell you anything I ate yesterday. <laughs> I couldn't tell you breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Uh, that kind of stuff just goes in and out of my head. But, but I could tell you, um, you know, that I could tell you things that people whispered to me 
in third grade that I will never forget. <laughs> Those kind of things that made differences to me. I could tell I could tell you the way that the TRS-80 Model 3 keyboard felt underneath my fingers when I was a kid. Those are the kinds of things that are locked into my weird, wrinkly brain. Uh, so uh, thank you for leaving that review. And if you uh, want to help out the show, then go over to iTunes and leave a review there. And if it's awesome, then I'll read it on the air. If you have any feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at Rob O'Hare at robohare.com. Join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash robcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore or leave me a message on my podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. Now I have to tell you the 1541 disc drive is pretty slow, but the notes have been loaded for quite a while. So let's get started talking about Crossroads Mall. <laughs> Rudolph, we need to get to Crossroads Mall for some family holiday shopping fun. There are lots of new things to see at Crossroads. Ooh, a wonderful carousel and a brand new center court. Look, a glass elevator. They're going to the new Huggity Bears playground for good girls and boys, not reindeer. Wait, there's more. The Crossroads $1,000 Christmas cash giveaway. No worry about road work. It's easy to get to Crossroads from wherever you are. Crossroads Mall, you'll love what's new inside. I don't normally do this, but I'm going to start this episode by reading the first paragraph about Crossroads Mall's Wikipedia entry. Crossroads Mall opened on February 17, 1974, with anchor stores John A. Brown, Dillard's, Montgomery Ward, and J.C. Penney. The name Crossroads Mall was chosen because it lies at the major intersection of I-35 and I-240, a major crossroads of the city. At the time of its opening, it was one of the largest construction projects to ever have taken place in the state of Oklahoma and was also among the 10 largest shopping malls in the United States. A 1974 Daily Oklahoma newspaper article heralded the shopping mall as, quote, the most magnificent enclosed and air-conditioned shopping mall in the Southwest. Before the mall's closure, the mall contained approximately 36 stores and services. It also had a very large trade zone outside the mall, building itself with numerous retailers and restaurants, including two hotels and a movie theater. Crossroads Mall had been one of the more popular shopping establishments in the city for well over 20 years. It is noted as one of the primary reasons for the suburban flight of retail shops from downtown Oklahoma City, which is now beginning to show an increase of retail shops following the Metropolitan Area Project's plan. So, Crossroads Mall is located right in the middle of Oklahoma where I-35 and I-240 cross. Now, I-240 is a loop that goes about five miles south of I-40. So, uh, basically, Crossroads Mall sits five miles south of where I-35 and I-40 cross. Now, if you're not familiar with those two interstates, I-35 is a interstate that runs north and south. It runs all the way south to Laredo, Texas, which is right on the Mexican border. And it runs north all the way to Duluth, Minnesota. I think that's about two hours 
away from the Canadian border. So I-35 essentially runs the entire length of the United States, north to south. I-40 is an east and west interstate that begins in Barstow, California, and runs all the way to Wilmington, North Carolina. It literally runs from sea to shining sea, as they say. So Crossroads Mall is not just in the crossroads of America. Crossroads is really in the crossroads of the country. And when it was opened, again in 1974, the interstate system, especially running through Oklahoma, was relatively new. So it allowed people to get on the interstate, drive east and west or or north and south, and come to Crossroads Mall. And people came from a long distance uh, away. It wasn't just people that lived right near the mall. It was, uh, you know, people all over the state started coming to uh, Crossroads Mall. But some of the people came, uh, it, you know, it was a long drive. And so they would spend the day at Crossroads Mall. Um, to describe Crossroads Mall, it is a two-story mall. It has 125 shops available spots, I should say, indoors with four anchor stores. And again, uh, I mentioned when it opened, the four anchor stores were John A. Brown, Dillard's, Montgomery Ward, and JCPenney. Now, I believe it was Dillard's who bought John A. Brown and they expanded. I don't think John A. Brown was there uh, very long. Uh, in the middle of the mall was a big center area. So again, the, the shopping centers were two stories tall, but in the middle of the mall was an area that was sunken down that had a big giant fountain. Um, it was, uh, almost, well, it was definitely, it was a fountain that shot up. I don't know how tall the fountain shot up 10 feet. And, uh, it was also used as like a wishing, uh, well, where people would come in and throw their pennies and lose change. And it really, really smelled like chlorine. That's my strongest memory of that center uh, fountain area. Also in the center was a handicap ramp to get from the first floor to the second floor. And because you couldn't make it too steep, it was really long. It went really far one direction. And then there was a flat area and then really long the other direction. Uh, so I never saw anybody in a wheelchair on the handicap ramp, but I did see lots of kids running up and down it, which we did every single time. We went to the mall when I got a little bit older and skateboarding got popular. I always dreamed of taking a skateboard into the mall and riding up and down that ramp. I never did it, but uh, uh, that was uh, definitely the dream. The open area downstairs also had a stage area. And of course, there would, you know, on the weekends, there would be people performing, whether high schools or, or different things like that. In fact, that stage area is where Santa Claus would always be. And I definitely remember as a child going to Crossroads Mall to see Santa Claus, which was convenient because there were toy stores at the mall and, you know, you could go there and get your Christmas ideas and, and uh, have your little mental list prepared for when you went in to, to go see Santa. Um, in later years, they took the fountain out. They took the fountain out and that giant handicap ramp and they replaced it. They put a carousel there and they put a large, a children's play area with almost like McDonald land kind of toys. You know, those little play things you could climb on that 
look like they're hard vinyl plastic or something, but it's wrapped around something that's maybe spray foam or something. They give a little bit, but not very much. It was those kind of things for uh, kids to play on. Uh, in the early days, there was no elevator in the mall. There were escalators in the center part of the mall to take you uh, up and down. And then at the end of each mall, there were just stairs to take you between floors. Now, when they took out the fountain and uh, I think they took out uh, maybe where that part of the escalators were, they added an elevator at that time. But most of the time I remember going to the mall, I never, I never used an elevator. Now there were elevators in the anchor stores, but I, my memory is that they were pretty uh, like they were labeled as handicap elevators. So uh, I, I don't think you'd be prevented from using them, but it wasn't encouraged. Let's put it that way. My personal memory is that Crossroads Mall inside was brown. I think the floors were dark brown and there were uh, light brown bricks that were used uh, to kind of decorate the floor. I remember a lot of oranges and yellows. Uh, on the wall. Now I have watched some YouTube videos, some relatively recent YouTube videos. It looks like the whole interior had been repainted white uh, or maybe a, a light cream color. And the guardrails that I definitely remember were brown or black have all been painted pink. So it definitely had a, a, a different look the way that uh, I remember it. Now Crossroads Mall was 19 miles away from my house. I looked this up on Google Maps. Um, but my grandma lived on the other side of the mall. She lived 10 miles past Crossroads Mall. And so my mom and grandma on the weekends would meet at Crossroads Mall. My mom would bring my sister and I along. And my mom and my grandma would go shopping. And they would turn us loose in the mall. And they would give us a rendezvous time. They would say, you know, we're going to come looking for you in two hours at the arcade. And so my sister and I could walk all around the mall. We could go into whatever shops we wanted. And then, you know, after an hour, hour and a half, we would head towards the arcade and we would go there. And if we had money, we would play arcade games. If we didn't, we would walk around and look at arcade games. And that's where we would be waiting when my mom and grandma would come to uh, uh, pick us up. Now, a lot about what I'm about to tell you are specific stores that were at Crossroads Mall and things that I remember about them, little maybe stories or just memories, things like that. But the entrance that we would come in, the very first thing I remember is that in the entryway was this huge, I don't even know what you would call it, like a conglomerate of gumball machines. And that was the first thing. So you would always, um, you know, tell your mom, like, you know, you always got change out of the car, nickel or dime or whatever. And when you would come into the mall, you would get a uh, gumball. Now, later, I think they were quarter machines, but you would get two or three pieces of gum or something or a handful of M&Ms. I remember that. But that was uh, when you walked into Crossroads Mall, that was the first thing that you always saw. At the, at the entrance that we parked at was this giant, uh, you know, thing. I mean, like 30 gumball machines that were all just in the, the center of the aisle that were all kind of stuck together. The number one place that I would go at Crossroads Mall was Bally Lamont's Arcade. Now, Lamont, the original name was Lamont Speedway, and apparently it was an indoor go kart racetrack. 
I don't remember that, and I don't know how long that was there. I have also seen that referred to as bumper cars, and I think at some point the go-karts may have been pulled out and replaced with bumper cars. And when you went to the arcade, you could easily tell where that area used to be. But I don't remember, by the time we were going there, I don't think any of that stuff was uh, still there. But that's how it got its name. It was uh, Le Mans Speedway. And then when they took the cars out, it got renamed and Bally took over the arcade and it became Bally's Le Mans. And so if you, you the sign outside said Bally's and then it just said Le Mans. Um, but it was a, an official Bally's arcade, which meant it had a huge budget. I remember at the front area, there was like a, a place where you could redeem tickets, mostly for, I think, skee-ball. It wasn't a big ticket redemption thing, but they had a little booth up at the front, and maybe you could even buy these things. But I remember seeing uh, officially licensed plush Pac-Man dolls and things like that. So things that had to do with arcades or, or ballet you could find up there. This was the arcade when it came to new releases. This was definitely the first place that I ever saw the arcade game Dragon's Lair. And they had the Dragon's Lair that had the second monitor up on top so that people went gathered around and you could watch the top monitor and see the gameplay because there would be so many people that you couldn't actually you know see what was going on in the screen where the guy was playing. But I remember Dragon's Lair uh, there. This was also the first arcade where I ever saw the video game Gauntlet. I may have told this on a previous podcast, but I got invited to from a, a classmate, and this would have been, well, whenever Gauntlet was new, uh, I want to say eighth grade, something like that. Uh, but this friend invited me, and it was for his cousin's birthday party, and his cousin uh, had Down syndrome, and but I didn't know his cousin, but you know. When somebody says, hey, do you want to go to my cousin's birthday party? It's at an arcade. I was like, yep, I'll go. And uh, we had, and my buddy Jeff, who I always talk about, was a, a mutual friend. So it was Jeff and myself and the guy who invited me and his cousin. And a bunch of other kids were invited and nobody came. Uh, it was really kind of, uh, kind of sad. But I don't remember how many tokens. Like every kid was going to get like $3 worth of tokens, something like that. But since so few kids showed up, they just split the tokens between the four of us. So we ended up with like, I don't know, 15 or $20 worth of tokens. I remember these cups that were just overflowing and super heavy of tokens. And so we just would run from machine to machine. They had um, Crawl. This was the first time I played Crawl. They had Gorf. They had, um, they had the Atari Roadrunner game. I played that there. I just so many memories of that day. But they had Gauntlet, and Gauntlet was the first four-player game I think I had ever seen. And you know, my friend uh, Andy, who who had had the you know had invited me to the party, and Jeff, we all played Dungeons and Dragons together, and we were like, "This is Dungeons and Dragons, but in a video game." It was it was mind blowing, and you had to wait in line to play, not just to play. You had to pick stand behind somebody like of the four players. You had to get behind one of the four players and wait for your turn to get up and play Gauntlet. Uh, but we did all eventually get up there. And I just remember, you know, uh, 
just putting token after token in and playing Gauntlet for a really long time. It was a really, really fun memory. But that happened at Crossroads Mall. There was a small pinball area in the back, but the thing about Ballet of the Mons was that it was really narrow and really long. It went deep into the into the building. And so the further back you went, the scarier it got. <laughs> it just got darker and the kids seemed to get older. And, uh, you know, it kind of, it just felt a little sketchy the further back you went. And the pinball machines were all the way in the back. So I didn't go back to the pinball machines very often. Um, I do remember at one time, and this was probably the, oh gosh, I don't know, late 80s. But they added a giant wall of monitors and they would show music videos. And you could put money in and, and just like a jukebox, but play a music video. So I remember that. It was just... Um, it was the greatest, greatest arcade. And fortunately, you know, it was 20 miles away from my house, so we didn't go there all that often. But every time without fail, if we went to Crossroads Mall, we went to Bally Lamont's Arcade. The second place that I was guaranteed to stop at at the, at the mall was this place that was literally called The Hobby Shop. Now, probably the best thing for them is that they were two shops over from the arcade. So you would walk out of the arcade. I think there was a, a barber shop or salon or something. And then right next to that in the corner was this place called the hobby shop. Now they sold a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, the dice, um, modules like the adventures, all the hardback books. They had all that stuff. Um, they had a lot of models there, like car models and airplane models and, and battleships, you know, all that kind of stuff. It was kind of a model, you know, hobby. It was, well, it was a hobby shop. Um, upstairs, I remember. So they, they had a loft area in the store. And when you went upstairs, it was all um, miniatures, like the little D&D miniatures. And um, they had Warhammer. This was the first place I ever saw Warhammer. And they had all these weird little miniatures. And I remember there was a, a color hardback book that I would go find every time. And it was of uh Warhammer, like miniatures that had been painted and these big dioramas that had been set up. And I would look at that book every time I went there. It was so cool. I really, really uh, enjoyed looking. I never played Warhammer, but I just really like looking at those uh, little models. I bought, um, you know, there was a time when you played Dungeons and Dragons, uh, you know, if you bought the basic set, you got those light blue dice. And if you bought the expert set, you got the dark blue dice. But, you know, you weren't really uh, somebody in the D&D world. <laughs> That's a dumb way to say that. But uh, it was kind of a way to show that you were serious if you bought your own dice. And I bought a – they came in like a plastic tube. I bought a set of six dice that were see-through, like translucent green and uh, I still have them. And they came from that hobby shop. And I don't remember how much they were. Uh, but I, I remember they had different die that you could buy that were um, – they were the first place I ever saw a 100-sided die. It would look like a, a golf ball, you know, <laughs> that you could roll. Uh, and um, they just had all kinds of different stuff. And you could actually mix and match to get different colors. But I thought it looked cool to have all the green uh, matching dice outside the hobby shop. They also had a um, full-sized um, Metaluna Mutant. 
which is the blue alien monster from this island earth. I'm sure you know it has the, the pinchers for hands and he had red around his eyes and he had a big blue brain on top of his head and they had one in the front window. So I always thought that was cool. And then later, later years, they had a um, full size Yoda that was sitting on a little pedestal in the other window. So that was, uh, that was the hobby shop. Once you got down to the alien and Yoda, you knew uh, you were home for all your, your role playing needs. Now in the middle of the mall, there were two different shops. And if you're listening to this podcast, I'm guessing you've heard of these. One was Babbage's and the other was software, et cetera. Now I Googled uh, Babbage's and Crossroads Mall and I found a, just a tiny blurb from the Daily Oklahoma and it was published on June 25th, 1988. And it says Babbage's opens in Crossroads Mall. It is 1,465 square foot. Um, my biggest recollection of Babbage's was outside the store, they had, uh, you know, a big glass window, of course, where you could see him. But at the bottom of that window, it sloped out and inside there were cutouts and they had monitors and they would show these loops, which I'm sure were running off of VCRs. You know, they didn't have digital feeds back then, but they would show loops of games. And I would sit there and just watch the gameplay from all these different games and, and just see how awesome it was. And I, I would stand outside the store, you know, for long periods of time and just watch, uh, you know. I don't know, just seemed really cool. And then, like I said, there was Software Etc., which is the place you would go later. It was for uh, video, like uh, console games. But I remember going there and buying computer games. In fact, I have a very specific memory where um, for one year for Christmas, a family friend of ours bought me Karataka. And we went to... Uh, well, I, I I opened the gift and I opened it and I started playing Karataka. And about the third time I played the game, I beat it. And my dad came in and I was like, hey, watch this. You know, and I was getting towards the end and uh, I beat the game. And he's like, is that the game you got today? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, well, you know, you shouldn't have to have your gift on a game that you just beat in one day or whatever. And I, and, I mean, it didn't. I don't know. For some reason, it didn't. Uh, jump out at me that way. But the next day he took me to the mall and, um, you know, we walk in to software, et cetera. And I have this game that I've opened and obviously played. And, you know, we just told the guy, yeah, you got this game for Christmas and he already beat it. It's too easy. And the guy was like, Oh, I guess pick something else out. And so we ended up getting wizardry and that's where our original copy of wizardry came from. But what a different time where you could just, buy a game, go home and beat it, and then take it back and, and say it was, you know, too easy. <laughs> and the guy at the counter would um, let you exchange it. Uh, the next thing I have listed here is food. And this is, I guess, probably a little out of order, but I'll talk about food. Now, Crossroads Mall did not have a food court. Um, not like what you would think of a modern mall where you would have a centralized seating area and food all the way around. They had restaurants scattered all throughout. And in the bottom uh, section of the mall, they had some sit down, you know, fancier restaurants, but then all throughout the mall were different fast food places, but there, it wasn't a centralized seating area. Now upstairs, there were an area that would have a few tables out in the open and downstairs. There was an area with a few tables, but it just, it wasn't laid out like how you would think of a, a food court 
you know, when you think of a modern food court in a mall, it didn't, didn't quite look like that. Uh, the list, well, the ones that I remember was there was a McDonald's inside the mall. There was a A&W, which was, this was the only A&W I ever remember until, uh, in later years, my town converted its Long John Silvers into a combo Long John Silvers slash A&W. But this was the only dedicated A&W I ever remember going to. And I definitely went there. Uh, to go get uh, a root beer, you know, while we were walking around the mall, there was a Taco Mayo, which is a a Mexican fast food chain here in the Southwest, and of course Orange Julius. You know, you had to have an Orange Julius in your mall. In later years, they there was a Sabaros, um, but that they didn't have that early on. I don't remember that when I was a kid, but uh, in the late mid mid two thousands to late two thousands when we went, there was a Sabaros there. I found a list of it actually was a picture it was a still photo of the legend that would stand there when you walked into the mall and it would show you where all the stores were and here were the stores the the restaurants that were listed on that again this was later this would probably be sometime in the 2000s auntie ann's pretzels bonnie's popcorn chick-fil-a dippin dots great american cookie company uh, Gyro City or Yero City, depending on how you say that. Orange Julius, Sabaros, Sonic, Subway, and Taco Mayo. Now, also on the ground floor, there was a Mexican restaurant called El Phoenix, and there was a Garfield's. And the thing I remember, I definitely remember a few times eating at El Phoenix, is you know how in a sometimes some restaurants have an outdoor seating area. Um, and, and, uh, you know, you're sitting, you could like see people walking on the sidewalk or things like that. El Phoenix had an area where you would sit and there was a railing. So, you know, you couldn't just get up and leave. There was like a half height brick wall and then a metal railing that went up another four feet or something. But it was almost like you were outside the restaurant and you were sitting and people were walking in the mall right next to you. And so I remember just that, that thing of like, um, I wonder if people are jealous. It's like that feeling where you're eating and, and uh, you know, people are shopping at the mall. It was, it was weird. It was a weird kind of feeling where you were having a restaurant experience, but, but uh, you know, in public, I guess. Another store that I hit every time that we went there was called Eastern Treasures. And Eastern Treasures was there until the very end. And the front part of Eastern Treasures, they sold um, – like uh, oriental vases and those paper. I'm sure you remember those like wall dividers that you would see and the uh, ornamental fans that people would hang on the wall, anything that had that kind of Asian culture you would find there. But when you went to the back part of the store, there was a glass display and that is where they had all the ninja throwing stars. That's where they had the nunchucks. That's where they had the big samurai swords, all that stuff. So when we were kids, you would walk in, you walk right past the vases <laughs> and all that stuff and go right to that back counter. You're like, Hey, let me see that sword buddy. And he would say no, <laughs> but that's what you would look at. You're like, man, someday when I have my own place, I'm just going to buy all these swords and hang them up. And, um, uh, but that was a, a definite stop. 
What's on the menu at Crossroads Mall? Great shopping and great food. Start with a snack. Mmm, tasty. A quick meal. Yummy. And full-service casual dining? Oh, perfect. If you have a taste for shopping and eating, Crossroads is full of places to eat. Try these, then taste the rest. 18 in all. Wow, now that's a mall full. Come to Crossroads Mmm Mall and feed the shopper in you. Now, here are some of the other stores, some of them I frequented more than others. Uh, right across from Eastern Treasures was a giant pet store. And I guess pet stores are not, I mean, of course, we have, you know, oh, we have pet stores like PetSmart and, and um, what was the old one, Petco or whatever. Uh, but like I remember as a kid going to Walmart and remember they always had the aquarium section and that's gone. You know, I, maybe that's a, I don't know if that was a, fad that went away, but like in the, definitely in the seventies and eighties, uh, you would go and you could look at all the different fish that would be at Walmart and, and uh, the guy would come scoop them out with the little, the little net and put them in a baggie for you to take home. I, you know, but, uh, I guess, I don't know, maybe that's not a, uh, maybe they weren't making a lot of money selling minnows to kids. Uh, but the pet store at the mall, of course, you had fish, you had um, snakes, you had all that kind of stuff. But I, my biggest mem- memory is that the front of the store, of course, again, you have the, the big glass panels. And then there was like a half wall. And then in that little area would be puppies. And so you would walk by and you'd be like, oh, there's puppies. And of course, you know, like I remember taking a date one time to the mall and walking around and then just thinking, oh, I hope she doesn't want a puppy. Like, I don't, I don't. I never bought a puppy for somebody, you know, but it was, you could go in and hold the the animals and stuff. I don't know. It seems kind of weird now, but, uh, but that was a big thing that we always saw. Mostly we just walked past it when we were coming out of, uh, Eastern treasures, <laughs> uh, in the middle of the, of the mall was Gadzooks and then, uh, Spencer's gifts. And those were, of course, the places you remember where you would, they would have all the novelty T-shirts in the front. You would walk in, and then they would have posters and black lights, and then in the back they would have adult-themed, um, you know, gag gifts and things like that. And they never seemed to care that little kids had wandered in there. I definitely remember uh, seeing a mug that uh, I think it was a woman who had clothes on, and when you filled it up with something cold, her her clothes would disappear. And I remember just staring at that for the longest time and nobody seemed to care that a 10 year old was in there looking at that. But, um, uh, I definitely remember going in there and looking at posters. That was a big thing where you'd, they'd have the big thing and you would flip through the different frames and look at all the posters. I'm sure I bought more than my share posters at the mall. The bookstores there, I remember were B Dalton's and Walden books. And I don't remember which one it was. I think it was, Walden books. I could be wrong, but one of them had a computer area and there was a, I went there one time and there was an Amiga right after it had come out, like an Amiga 1000 in their little computer section. They were running a demo and I could look it up, but it was, um, it was like a diamond or square shaped thing that was rotating on the screen. And inside that was an animation of like a, a house cat walking or something like that. And um, I remember watching that demo for a long time, just thinking how awesome that was. Uh, but um, yeah, so they had, they had books there. Of course, they were bookstores, but uh, 
uh, I would always go in there and look, you know, go back to the computer area and look at the computer software and stuff. Crossroads Mall had two music stores that I remember. One was called Record Bar and the other one was called Record Town. And uh, before, you know, when I was 16 and old enough to drive, I would go to Soundtrack or, uh, you know, other local music stores and buy tapes. Uh, I was going to say CDs, but not back then, but I would buy cassettes. Uh, I remember buying some some vinyl albums, mostly from Walmart. But, uh, you know, at the mall, you could just go in there. You could go look up, uh, you know, different artists and thumb through and look all that. So I remember spending, I don't remember ever buying any music at the mall, but I remember spending a lot of time looking through music uh, at those two places. Crossroads Mall had a radio shack on the first floor. And of course, you would go in there um, if you needed batteries. We always bought batteries there. Um, there was a, a radio shack pretty near my house. So we never made a specific trip to Crossroads Mall for Radio Shack, but uh, but I do remember them being there, and of course the, all the little remote control cars and toys that they would have stacked out front. That was always cool to see. Our mall did have a KB Toys, which was really cool, and you would go through and look at the toys. But there's a better toy store coming up later in this episode. So, uh, but we, I did, I do remember going to KB toys. It's funny because I barely remember it being called KB toys. And then later it became a KB toys liquidation thing. So, um, uh, the, the choice wasn't as good, but things would be deeply discounted. Uh, so we would, uh, always make a stop there. Uh, later, this is later on, but they did have a sun coast. Uh, so I would go to sun coast again, uh, they had the highest-priced movies in town, but they did have cool uh, movie posters and collectible figurines. I bought some Star Wars figures there, uh, so Suncoast was always cool. They had a candy shop called Lollipop World, and then later that became Candyopolis. And Candyopolis, man, that was the place to go to just drool, you know, any kind of candy you wanted. Um, they had the, the bulk candy dispensers of M&Ms and nerds and, and things like that, where you could buy a sack and fill it up with different stuff. Uh, they had, that was the first place I saw a five pound. I believe it's a five pound. It might just be a one pound. Now that I think about it, but the giant oversized gummy bear, I want to say it's a five pound, but they had it on the wall. Um, just, you know, any kind of those giant lollipops, anything you could imagine. Uh, it was like a little miniature Willy Wonka chocolate factory it was so cool to go in there and just uh and again i don't remember buying a lot of stuff but i do remember doing a lot of dreaming uh inside of candyopolis and finally later there was a place called extreme mini golf which was a mini golf course that they had set up inside the mall and it was really dark with black lights in there and everything was painted you know all those typical neon black light colors orange and yellow and green and we actually had uh, one of Mason's birthdays parties, uh, birthday parties there before the whole mall closed down. I think that was in uh, uh, 2006. I'll be talking about that in a minute. Now, Crossroads Mall was not just about the mall. It was also about all the shops that set up around the mall. So this line of restaurants and hotels and strip mall all kind of were built to surround itself around Crossroads Mall. So when you left the mall, there were more things to see. The first thing I remember was there was a movie theater. 
originally there was a uh, an eight screen movie theater, and then there was the Crossroads sixteen or the Crossroads sixteen AMC theater. I specifically remember we went there to go see Blair Witch. I definitely remember that the the night that Blair Witch opened. We went opening night, and we saw that at Crossroads Mall. It's also where I saw Phantom Menace for the first time. You know, Crossroads Mall was not very far. It was probably seven or eight miles from where I worked. And so when um, Phantom Menace came out and tickets went on sale, I decided on my lunch break that I would go down to Crossroads Mall and try to buy tickets for opening night for the Phantom Menace. Uh, I was a big, huge Star Wars fan. I really wanted to see it opening night. And I only got half an hour for lunch. And so when we got over there, the line went from the front of the theater to the side, all the way down the side to the back, from the one corner of the back to the other, and then off into the parking lot. I mean, there were hundreds and hundreds of people waiting to buy tickets. And I knew I would never, you know, I was never going to get tickets. And so we were leaving. I was driving really, and we had bought lunch. Um, we had bought, uh, I think, um, either Burger King or McDonald's. We had bought some burgers and we were going to sit in line and eat lunch. But, uh, um, you know, I knew that it was going to be, you know, a full day of waiting in line. And as we were driving and we were leaving, a guy yelled at us, uh, as we were leaving and he was fourth in line and it was a friend of Susan's that she knew from college. She was really good friends with this guy. And uh, we were like, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm waiting to buy tickets. And you could only buy, I think it was a maximum of either six or eight tickets at a time. And he only wanted to buy two. And so we were like, hey, will you buy, you know, four more tickets and I'll just pay you. And he was like, yeah, sure. And, but he was literally fourth in line. And I said, hey, we just bought these burgers and stuff. Do you want to eat? And he said, yeah. And so we gave him, the, gave him the food, the hamburgers and stuff. And he's the guy that bought our tickets to Phantom Menace. And so uh, opening day of Phantom Menace, I went and my wife went and my dad went. And I don't remember. We took the fourth person. I don't remember who it was. But, uh, um, but that's how I got my tickets to Phantom Menace. And so we definitely saw that opening night at Crossroads Mall as well. Now, on the north side of Crossroads Mall, when he came out, you know, of course, again, there's these strip malls that surround it or whatever. But on the north side was Toys R Us. So that's why, you know, I wasn't too excited when we went to KB Toys. KB Toys was okay, but Toys R Us was the mecca toy store. There was only two Toys R Us in Oklahoma City, and that was one of them. The other one was by a different mall on the other side of town. So... Uh, if you could talk to your mom into stopping at Toys R Us, oh man, it was going to be an hour of just going through and looking at all the greatest stuff. So it's funny that I associate Toys R Us with Crossroads Mall. They are um, inseparable in my mind. If you went to the mall, you went to Toys R Us. If you're going to Toys R Us, usually you end up going to the mall. Uh, there was also a Best Buy uh, that opened up in the, uh, I want to say early 90s. Uh, that was right outside of Crossroads Mall. It's not the Best Buy I worked at. I worked at a different location, but occasionally I had to make runs over there, um, go over and pick something up or 
or uh, run something from one you know one store to the other, things like that. So I did go over there a few times, you know, in my my uniform when I worked there, uh, which would have been like ninety four, ninety five. Next to Best Buy, it connected to the strip mall, and in that strip mall was Funko Land, which uh, was a great place to go. For video games, this is definitely during, um, you know, Super Nintendo kind of era, uh, maybe early PlayStation era. But uh, Funko Land eventually went away, and then it was a GameStop, like every other place around here, turned into a GameStop. Another fun thing, right on the grounds in the parking lot of Crossroads Mall was a working oil well, which, of course, is a reminder that you're in Oklahoma. But every time you would pull up into the parking lot, you would drive by and you would see this oil well just pumping away. There's an oil well on the property where I work, and there's also a oil well on the state capitol grounds. And Oklahoma City is the only state capital that has a working oil well on their property. But there's also one at Crossroads Mall. Now, on the north side of Crossroads Mall was Toys R Us. On the south side, if you crossed over I-240, was Malibu Grand Prix. Now, Malibu Grand Prix was a place that had outdoor IndyCar-style racing go-karts. And then indoors, they had a big arcade. And uh, so, you know, the thing was that I don't remember too many times. I did, I went there a few times, but I don't remember going there and the mall at the same time. Because the mall had arcade games and I never did the car racing thing. So um, now I can tell you inside at Grand Prix, they also had a slot car racing track. And I do remember seeing that um, it's the first place that I saw cliffhanger, the arcade game, which is a laser disc game. And also that is the location of the karate champ cabinet. Now I have told this story before, but just to go back through it uh, quickly, I had a friend uh, Justin, who liked playing arcade games like I did, like most kids did. And he lived in Norman and I lived in Yukon. And so the Crossroads Mall was basically halfway for each of us. And a few times we met at Malibu Grand Prix and would go there and play arcade games. And they had Karate Champ. Now I played Karate Champ at the local arcade in Yukon and he played Karate Champ at his local arcade in Norman. And when we would go, Malibu Grand Prix was kind of this neutral uh, location in the middle, and we would play Karate Champ there against each other. So I definitely remember doing that. I definitely remember it being fun. Uh, in the mid-2000s, when I started, you know, I started collecting arcade games the second time uh, in the early 2000s, and I would go to an auction and buy one game, or I would buy one game from an individual, and then I started buying multiple games at a time. And I found a guy that was selling five arcade games. And uh, I went there and um, the funny thing was, I think he wanted $500 for the first game. But then he said, you know, if you get these two games, I'll give them to you for 300 each. So it'd be 600, you know, for the two games. But then the price went down for three games. And then finally at the end, he said, if I bought all five, he would uh, charge me $100 per game. So it started off as $500 for one game, and at the end it was $500 for all five games. So that was the deal I took. But in that purchase, I bought a Karate Champ arcade machine. And I thought, oh, that would be really funny that if Justin ever came to visit, we could play Karate Champ, you know, head-to-head like we had done as kids. And when I got it home, 
The first thing you do when you get an arcade machine is you open it up, clean it out, see if there's anything inside, anything needs repairs. And when I opened it up in the bottom, it was filled with arcade tokens. And when I looked at them, the arcade tokens were all from Malibu Grand Prix. And so eventually it dawned on me that this was the Karate Champ machine that was at Malibu Grand Prix. This is the one that Justin and I had played all those years ago. And this is the only arcade game I ever owned where I actually could trace it back to being the same machine that I had played as a kid. I had a lot of games that were, you know, the same title or whatever, but not the exact same machine. But this was the exact same machine that they had had at Malibu Grand Prix years earlier. So I always thought that was pretty cool. Uh, next to Malibu Grand Prix was also an ice skating rink, and it was also an ice hockey rink. It was home of the Blazers, which was our, uh, I want to say a D team. I'm not sure if that's right. I think that's the right term, but they were not professional, but they were uh, lower lower than that. But it was the Blazers, and now, now we don't have a hockey team. I'm Sammy D. Salamander, and this means Kids Club at Crossroads Mall is almost here. Kids Club is free. It's fun. And it's just for you. Dr. Dale and his friends want you to come for all the fun and entertainment. Plus, there's prizes. And your Crossroads Mall Kids Club friends want you to be here for a great time. So set your clock for Kids Club at Crossroads Mall. Coming Tuesday at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. I have a um, funny memory of Crossroads Mall. I went there one time, and I had—I think I had just turned 18. I was 17 or 18, and I went there with a friend. And if you went in the other entrance, not the gumball entrance, but the other entrance, the one that was by the arcade, there were always people standing there with uh, clipboards trying to get you to do surveys. And when you would walk in, they would say, hi, excuse me, and I would immediately turn. I didn't want to do that, you know. But we walked in one time, I walked in with this friend and, um, a guy with a clipboard said, Hey, do you guys want to do a thing? And he said, sure. And I was like, what are you doing? I don't know. I don't want to do that. He goes, I know it'd be fun. And so they led us back into uh, a room that I had never seen before at the mall. It was this tiny hallway that, that led off into a, a back set of offices. And we were there for probably 30 or 45 minutes. And I want to say I don't remember if it was for, I don't know if it was for, it was for some Pepsi product. It was either a new diet Pepsi or crystal Pepsi or something like that. I don't remember, but, um, they had us do like on TV, like the blind taste test where you drank the different little cups of, of soda and said, do you like this one or this one? So we did that. And then they had a room with a projector and they would flash these things, uh, it was like a grid of nine different cans of soda. And then they would say, you know, for like a, a split second, they would say, well, which one did you see first? Which one do you remember the best? You know, and I remember I picked one, a picture of a soda that had um, like water beating up because it was so cold. I was like, oh, that one looked really cold. I like that one. So, um, but that's, uh, it was like a whole test marketing thing for Pepsi. So uh, we did that that time at, uh, at Crossroads Malt. Now, you would have thought that, um, you know, all the time that I spent at Crossroads Mall, again, uh, I mean, I I don't know for sure. I want to say once a month, 
But maybe it was more than that, that my mom and my grandma would meet there. Uh, I went to Crossroads Mall a lot as a kid. Uh, this was definitely my, you know, if you say you had a mall, this was my mall. And when I started driving, you would think that I would have went to this mall all the time because I, you know, again, this is my mall. This is where we used to go and hang out, you know, but uh, the reason that we went there so much as a kid was number one, because my grandma lived on the other side. So it was a convenient meeting place. Um, and then number two, because we live so far outside of the city that, you know, to go to a, a mall like this, you got on the interstate and you drove over there. But over the years, because the infrastructure got built up at Oklahoma City, I mean, Northwest Expressway and, there, and roads became easier to get there, um, there were closer malls. And eventually I discovered a Penn Square Mall, which is closer to my house than Crossroads Mall. At the time, it probably took more time to get there because there was no fast way to get way up on the north side of town. But now there is, you know. Um, and of course, Penn Square Mall was like the preppy kid kind of mall. There was also a, um, a infamous secret skate location, the Penn, 50 Penn Street uh, Ditch. 50 pin ditch out behind that, um, uh, you know, somebody had to show you like a guy took me one time and showed me where it was. Um, so, you know, it was, um, and it was newer in design and it had a real, a centralized food court. So it had like the big seating area in the middle with restaurants all around in a U shape, you know? So, um, so eventually I did switch and I started going to pin square mall um, but I have, uh, always, always felt a nostalgic connection to Crossroads Mall. Again, I started going there. I mean, I don't remember a time when we didn't go there. When I was a little kid, we went there. Um, and then what happens, as I've mentioned on lots of different things, is you want to share that experience with your kids, you know? And so I, I remember I took Mason in January of 2006. And I have just a few photos of that trip. I think at that time I either had my blackjack phone or maybe my palm trio, but whatever I had took really, really terrible digital pictures. So the pictures are not that good a quality. Um, I have a picture of him eating a giant slice of pizza at Sabaro's. Uh, he would have been Oh, in uh, January of 2006, he would have just turned uh, four years old. So um, uh, I also have some pictures of him at Le Mans Arcade. And they had at that time these full-size actual race cars, these Namco-branded race cars. I mean... Full size, I mean, they had tires, wheels and tires. I mean, they were, you know, actual cars. And you could get in and play this racing game that used projectors that projected you know, whatever the arcade game was up on a projector screen in front of the cars. And he was too young, really, to really play racing games like that. But I remember him uh, climbing in and out of the cars. He really liked that, playing with the, the gear shift and the steering wheel and, and all that all that stuff, you know. Uh, so that was, uh, by that time that, uh, extreme golf place had opened up. And so we decided now his birthday's in December. So this was late, uh, in 2006, that same year 
that we would have his birthday party at Extreme Golf, that uh, putt-putt place that was built inside the mall. Now, between those two dates, January of 2006, when we I took him to the arcade, and December of 2006, when we planned his birthday party, there was an event at Crossroads Mall. Crossroads Mall, that area of town had been going downhill and had become a slightly rougher, not slightly, it had become a rougher side of town. It was a mile away from this road, which has now been officially renamed Triple X Road, which is a long line of strip clubs. Um, there's, uh, it was areas where gangs had moved into. It was not, it was, you know, not a great part of town, uh, not like it had been when Crossroads opened. And there were two uh, young men who got into some sort of altercation inside the mall. And one of them pulled out a gun and started shooting at the other one. And a, I believe the report I found said an off duty officer. So, but he, I don't know if he was a off duty security guard and he just happened to be at the mall or if he was an off duty police officer working as mall security. I'm not sure, but he returned fire and uh, killed the shooter who, you know, I mean, it was a bad deal. And let me tell you, if the death knell to any mall is people not feeling safe. Now, uh, I'll talk a little bit. I, I called my mom yesterday and kind of interviewed her about Crossroads Mall because she was the one who took me and, and had all these memories. But she said long before then she quit going because she just didn't feel safe in the parking lot. There would be teenagers walking around. Um there would be people that would follow you. She said it was the kind of place where you would kind of hold on to your purse tight as you walked from the, the parking lot into the mall. And then she said as those people started hanging out inside the mall, just groups of teenagers, she just said she didn't feel safe there and she quit going. And, and I guess that was a lot of people. A lot of people didn't feel safe. Um, and less people felt safe once people started shooting each other in the mall. <laughs> um, to try and... Uh, calm people's nerves crossroads mall added a 6 p.m curfew so if you were 16 or under uh and you weren't there with a parent you had to leave by 6 p.m now i don't know how much i read this i do remember this i remember seeing the signs for this but i don't remember how much they enforced that but uh, i'm sure if you were um uh looked like trouble and you were hanging out they probably did enforce this you know but here's the problem. Within uh, 18 months of that shooting, and actually it was closer to a year, all four anchor stores pulled out of Crossroads Mall, which the anchor store, if you don't have anchor stores to get people in there, uh, you're not going to make it. The following year, in 2008, there was a road rage incident where two different vehicles apparently got into road rage, uh, and they pulled off the interstate, and they pulled into the Crossroads Mall parking lot, and shots were fired. Uh, so that was 2008. In 2009, Crossroads Mall was 75% vacant and was foreclosed on. So you can see what happened. I mean, it wasn't just those two events. It was kind of a gradual, uh, you know, 
thing where that side of town just became, uh, you know, there was more crime, people felt less safe, and there was that general vacating of malls. The things that brought people to the mall are eventually what drove people away from the mall. In 2011, two years after the mall was foreclosed on and closed down, Crossroads Mall, uh, it was purchased by a group of investors who renamed the mall Plaza Mayor. And they released press releases and said they were going to revitalize Crossroads Mall and turn it into a Hispanic shopping location. So the idea was that all the stores would cater to the uh, Hispanic community and uh, there would be restaurants that would be, you know, Mexican restaurants and, and, uh, but that, that was the idea. And so they bought it in 2011. They opened it in 2013 and I went there one time after that, and there were no stores in there. I mean, it was just vacant. There were a few things here and there, but it was, um, you know, again, Crossroads Mall, uh, I'm not sure if I, if I said this, was uh, 1.3 million square feet. I, it was a gigantic mall. Again, when it was built, it was one of the 10 largest malls uh, in the country. It was gigantic at the time. And, you know, to just have just a few stores in there and no anchor stores like that, it just wasn't going to make it. And so um, the few places that were in there ended up closing. And in 2017, uh, the mall permanently closed. They, they turn off the lights, they lock the doors, and that's it. So Crossroads Mall is still sitting there. It has been vacant for over three years now. Now, one of the interesting things about the mall is that when the Plaza Mayor moved in and they were having trouble with rent, apparently they sold the anchor stores separately from the mall. Now, obviously, they're connected to the mall, uh, but that has become a problem for moving forward with something else uh, to move either into the mall or to tear down the mall because now you have different parties that own different parts of the mall, which is um, – very strange thing to do from a, um, I don't know, from a property point of view. Uh, there are a lot of complaints that uh, Crossroads Mall caused uh, shoppers to stop visiting downtown Oklahoma City, which is true. Uh, they, you know, I, I talked to my mom about Crossroads Mall and so, you know what, I'll, I'll just, I'll just get into this. Um, so I talked to my mom about her experiences with, with Crossroads Mall. Again, uh, the Wikipedia article says it opened in 1974. She swears it was open before that based on, uh, her memory of going there when she was in high school. My mom just turned 72 this year. So, um, I'm not, I'm not sure on the date, but, but you know, Wikipedia says 74. So right now I'm going with that, but, uh, she's, she says that she thinks it was before that. Um, she says it was the first mall that she remembered that was enclosed. So there were a lot of, you know, shopping malls that were uh, outdoors, but they weren't covered. And so it was a big novelty. She said to go to this giant mall that was covered because they had air conditioning. And because the rain didn't affect you, you could park and go inside and you could walk around to all these different stores. So before that, she said her family would go do their shopping uh, downtown Oklahoma City. But if you were going to buy, you know, shoes 
and then a coat and then a purse or something like that. That was going to be three different stores you had to visit in downtown Oklahoma City. And this was before there were parking garages. So you would park on the street and then go into a shop and buy shoes or whatever and then come out. And then you either had to walk you know, to another store somewhere to buy a coat or get in your car and move your car. And, of course, there's all these the logistics about the parking meters and, and finding a parking spot. She said it was terrible. So that was a big selling point about these malls was you could go to one place. Again, the fact that it was enclosed, you could go shopping in the winter. You could go shopping in the summer. There was air conditioned uh, in the winter. It was heated, you know. So – and again, it was one place where you could park your car and go inside and get everything you want from all these different stores. Um, again, she said that uh, uh, the reason that she stopped going and I asked her is because she didn't feel safe there anymore. She said she remembered an a incident where she was walking in and there was a group of people, uh, young men that were following her on her way into the mall. And, and uh, you know, eventually I, either a car came by or something and, and uh it wasn't, uh, you know, nothing happened, but she said she wasn't going to do that anymore. If she, if you don't feel safe walking to and from your car, she just, she wouldn't go there. You know, um, the other thing that, that I recall about going to Crossroads mall is that when I would go there, we would get on the interstate and it would just be the, the second half of the drive was 10 minutes of nothing, just driving all the way on two forty, and nothing being there. Now you, there's not an empty lot. On 240, that whole stretch is strip malls and businesses and restaurants. I mean, for you know the whole ten miles, so you had to drive by a lot of shops to get to Crossroads Mall to go to more shops. You know, so shopping centers, bigger places, um, you know, discount stores, things like that. I think that's a, a big part of what affected uh, Crossroads Mall. Now, there is a movement, uh, I'm sure you've probably seen this, you may have seen this, on YouTube where people go to places that are closing down or in some in some cases they go after they've closed down and they document them. Uh, they take video and they walk around and they, they uh, uh, capture what the place looked like. And there are two different people uh, who did that on YouTube and I will put the links to those in the show notes if you want to do it. But uh, one is uh, from 2011, which is from – and the other one I think is um, 2013, which is when the, the mall was uh, – uh, no, I mean, maybe they're both 2011. I don't know. But uh, they were both right before the mall actually closed its doors, before it was purchased by uh, Plaza Mayor. So, um, you know, it's not video of the mall in its heyday where you could see all the different things, but it's video where you could see where things used to be. And maybe that's interesting to you. If you, if you didn't go there maybe it's not, I don't know, but I will add those links to the show notes. I found it really interesting just to, there was a, one of them is a 30 minute video and it's a guy who used to deliver stuff to the mall and he walks all through the mall and points out what businesses used to be there and stuff. And, and uh, I'm so glad he did that and uploaded it to YouTube. It was just so, so great to watch. I really enjoyed that. Um, I want to mention a documentary that I watched earlier this year, and it's called Jasper Mall. It's a 2020 documentary, and it is about a mall in Jasper, gosh, I want to say Alabama. I think that's what it is. And um, 
the guys who made this documentary, the same people several years ago that made the Rocket Fire Explosion documentary. So it's really interesting. And it's basically about a mall that is dying. I mean, it is in the end of its life and it shows stores that are closing and, and going out of business. And the, the group of old men that still go to the mall and play dominoes, they meet there every day. And, and, uh, you know, it follows this, this guy who is, he's kind of the head security officer, but he kind of manages the mall during the day. And he's also the janitor and he's also the maintenance guy. I mean, he does everything. It's just one guy basically that runs, uh, the entire mall operation. And it really, uh, if you're into nostalgia, if you have a mall that you remember from your childhood that eventually closed down or is in the process of dying, uh, you should really, I think I saw it on Netflix. I'm pretty sure that's where I saw it, but it's called uh, Jasper mall. And you should really watch that. If, if you like um, those types of stories, it was really good. You know, as I was wrapping up my notes, all the things that I wrote about Crossroads Mall, and and uh, I still see Crossroads Mall, I and mean, we still drive by there when we're on that side of town. I mean, you can't miss it. It's it's um, you know, it's in the crossroads, right? It's right by I thirty five. When I was going to OU, doing my master's degree a few years ago, on the way home, I drove by Crossroads Mall every time I came home, multiple times a week, you know. And I'm very, very nostalgic about Crossroads Mall. And it's strange, I think, to be nostalgic about a place, you know? I mean, it is, but it isn't. I mean, it's not a, it's not like I'm nostalgic for a house I lived in or, you know, a friend's house or something. I mean, it's just a, it's a mall, you know? And I almost feel like nostalgia is like when you miss something that logically you shouldn't miss, um, if Crossroads Mall opened back up tomorrow and said, hey, we're making it a mall, would I go once? Of course. I would go in a heartbeat and walk through and see everything that, that you know I remember from my youth. But would I go there to shop? Probably not. I mean, it's very easy to go on Amazon and click you know, Prime Shipping and it shows up on my doorstep tomorrow. It's a lot less effort than getting into my car, driving... 20 miles, parking, going into a mall, walking, you know, all around a mall to buy something. And of course, there's probably 20 places between here and the mall that I could buy that same thing. Unless it's an awesome sword from Eastern Adventures, you know. Um, so I don't know. You know, it's um, the thing about malls is it's this business model that really kind of came and went. And that's not me adding anything new to the narrative. People know that malls are dying. Um, it added something at the time, you know, it added the ability for people like my mom, my grandma to go to a single location versus driving all over town to do shopping. It had air conditioning. <laughs> um, it had, uh, you know, heat in the winter protection for the elements. It was this, this awesome place where you could go, to one place and buy everything. But now we have one place you can buy everything and it's called the internet. Um, and if you want to go see stuff, you go to a strip mall or you go to a locally owned place, things like that. So I don't know. I, I definitely have gone to Crossroads Mall knowing that it's not probably ever going to open again. Um, the, the, the story, the news stories at the time were that the mall was purchased by the, uh, Plaza Mayor company 
for six million and it was going to take 50 million to renovate it. Nobody's going to do that. And why would you at a time when, when malls are, uh, you know, <laughs> and they're, what is it called? The death rattle, you know, um, there's people trying to purchase the property to turn it into public schools. I read that. Um, but it's never going to be a mall again. So it, it's odd to feel that nostalgia. When I drive by there, I do. I, I certainly miss it. And like a lot of things from my use, I, I miss all the, the fun times that I had inside there. I would love to spend one day and go back to Crossroads Mall, go to the arcade, play some gauntlet, go to the hobby shop, buy some new dice, <laughs> go eat a giant pretzel, go buy a cookie, you know, uh, go do all those things one more time. I sure would like to do that. again for tuning in to another episode of you don't know flat if you have feedback about this or any episode of the show you can email me directly at rob o'hare at robohare.com join the conversation on facebook at facebook.com forward slash robcasts follow me on twitter at commodore or leave me a message on my podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF if you're interested in supporting the show don't forget to check out patreon.com forward slash rob o'hara and if you want to see all those fun videos happening, go sign up over at Twitch, and you can follow me. My streaming account is twitch.tv forward slash Rob O'Hara. Don't forget to share links to the shows on social media, and if you would, go like and review the show on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. I hope you had a safe and wonderful Thanksgiving, and I'm looking forward to the holiday season, which is just around the corner. Thanks for tuning in. I'll talk to you next week.